I think you agreed with me a little too much there, but that's okay. <laughs> hey, if you would turn, turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. Well, just turn to 18. We'll get to 19 next. That's how it comes together. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and the streams in the wasteland. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask that you guide us through this lesson of grace today, through this brief history lesson, through this understanding that grace is given to us because we need it, but most importantly, because you love us. Lord, help me today orate what you've given me to show so many people that God is love and that God loves us to the point that he's willing to give, to sacrifice his only begotten son. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said? Amen. Isaiah is talking to Israel, talking to the Israelites. And what I love about this particular chapter is... It's a history lesson, and it's a love story, and we all know that Isaiah is also a prophet. So this particular chapter is a love story, it's a history lesson, and it's a prophecy. To understand this, let's rewind. Let's go back to the beginning of chapter 43 in Isaiah, and we're going to just simply read verses 1 through 4 this morning. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you. In the previous chapter of Isaiah, uh, God is rebuking, chastising Israel for their blindness and for their deafness. A lot like us, we know of God, but sometimes we kind of go on about our ways. But there's a rebuke there. And that's, that's for the previous chapter. But, but we see in the next chapter, in this chapter that we're reading, some of the earliest forms of grace and the reason for grace, and that's God's love for us. But remember, Isaiah is also a prophet. And when God continues to express, or when God continued to express, we look forward 700 years and that prophecy is fulfilled. Isaiah 43, 18, and 19, I want to revisit that. 
Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Notice this, 19. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in... This new thing, this salvation, this, what we're going to learn later about, is grace. And as we've been talking about the Trinity, we also see a glimpse of a prophecy of the Holy Spirit, the streams in the wasteland. Isaiah is referring to the Holy Spirit in this. This lays the foundation for grace even before the New Testament, even after the disbelief of Israel. Even after we have disbelief and discouragement, even, even after parts of our lives seem to be falling apart and we want to try to fix them ourselves, and we want to we want to make Jade wants to make things better. Teresa wants to make things better. But we can't forget the promise of God. So today I want to talk about grace. And I want to start by giving you guys a couple of quotes to put on Facebook. I know a lot of you like to share things on Facebook. These are some that I ran across that I thought was really good. Grace can neither be bought, earned, or won by the creature. If it could be, it would cease to be grace. Next quote, grace, like water, flows to the lowest part. Finally, we are born broken. We live mending. The grace of God is the glue. Amen? As we discuss grace this morning, let's get one thing out of the way. We know that the enemy has read the Bible. And it just so happens to be that if grace is one of God's biggest gifts, then the devil tries to take that and turn that into one of his biggest weapons against us. The devil equipped with the knowledge of the Bible, Satan can take this and he could take this and take our weakest parts the parts of us that maybe we have a secret sin or maybe that we're struggling with something. Maybe we've had some victories, but we've taken a step back. And the devil says, he, he will use those flaws, and the devil says, you're not worthy of grace. Who can relate with me on these items? Who can relate with me? You used to be a good person, but you blew it. And now you're a waste of space. The Heavenly Father does not love you as much as others because of your sinful ways. You are not as good as others because of the mistakes you've made. You are damaged goods. Lies. All lies. And we see that in evidence of Scripture, Isaiah, and all over the Bible. God spoke his love to us even when we didn't deserve it, even when Israel didn't deserve it. You are righteous, you are loved, you are redeemed by grace. You are valuable. So, 
I uh, want to talk about value for a second and where we get our value. Uh, I just came across a, a beautiful 2021 Chevrolet Camaro, red in color. It's got a, uh, what is it, a 6.3 liter V8, 450 pound, foot pounds of torque. And I, and I got it for a steal. I got it for, uh, I think I got it for $43,000. Now, I by no means uh, uh, am rich. Uh, something I've been doing is taking cars and reselling them and, and uh, making a little bit of a profit. So I found this. So I want to make an offer to Tinker in the back. So, so I bought this car for $43,000, Tinker. But because I care for you so much, if you can write me a check for $41,000, I'll give you the car today. Would you do that? Oh. It's not a Ford. Oh. So what you're saying is you don't see the value in my car because it's not a Ford. Right? Goodness gracious. Michael, you were complimenting my car. I will, if you write me a check for $40,000, I will give you my, the title to my car and you can have it today. The, <laughs> The value of something is defined by what someone is willing to pay for it. Apparently, I purchased the wrong car. <laughs> but God, Jesus, on the cross, purchased my freedom. So if the value of an item is worth, something, uh, worth what someone is willing to pay for it, then what does that say for us that God is willing to pay for us with the death of his son. We are valuable. I wanted to get that out of the way because we know the devil reads the Bible. We know how the devil wants to attack us, but sometimes it's important to remember that we are valuable. Now, rent in Florida is expensive. We're not going to let the devil live rent-free in our head, so we're going to move on to the next topic. This is something very important. Everyone needs grace. Everyone needs grace. Why? Because there's not enough goats for us to sacrifice. Could you imagine how many goats Biden would have to sacrifice to try to make things right with God? And just to be fair, you know, Donald Trump's had to sacrifice quite a few too. I think he was a great president, but he ever watched that guy? He ever watched uh, 45? And when you hear him talk, you're thinking, okay, I love your policy, but would you please shut your mouth? Not enough goats. <laughs> but back to the topic, why do we need grace? Now, bear with me on this, but I want to share with you, we need grace because the Ten Commandments didn't work. We need grace because the flood didn't work. And we need grace because religion doesn't work. Now, I want to dive into that. If these things worked for the purpose in which they were designed for, but they did not work for our salvation. 
Go to Romans chapter 3, and we're going to start at verse 19. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Now, what is Paul saying there? Paul is saying that the law cannot protect anyone from God's judgment of our personal sins. He's also saying that you cannot keep the law. Some would argue that the law was written to show us how much we needed God. Because if we strive for holiness on our own, it's an impossible feat. It's an impossible reach. Now, do we ignore the law? Absolutely not. We do not ignore the law. It is written in the Bible. It is scripture. It is, it is there for our sanctification. It's still relevant, and it was written for their time. This is where we begin to understand that grace goes deeper than we could ever realize. To understand that by anything that we do, by any works that we do, we can't earn our way into heaven. We can't even make it to the gate. And honestly, if I'm being frank, some of us without God can't even make it out of our house. Paul affirms what Jesus said in Matthew 5.17 when he says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. The law is for sanctification. Grace is for salvation. The law is for sanctification. As we try to be more holy for God, we look at the law and we do our best to take steps in that. But that alone will not earn us the keys to the, to the kingdom. Now, here's a tough pill to swallow. The reason, well, one of many reasons that we're disaffiliated from the United Methodist Church are the things that we don't agree with, of them putting people with same-sex marriages in positions of leadership, their stance on homosexuality. But here's a tough pill to swallow. We can talk about that all day long, but I, I, I want to ask every one of you, and just don't answer, answer in your head, have you ever lied? Have you ever told a story? Have you ever stole something? Have you ever thought about stealing something? Have you ever looked at a, a, a woman and thought, man, she is gorgeous? Have you ever lusted after a man? Maybe even a married man? The way that God sees our sin is equal to that of homosexuality, to lying, to stealing, to bad thoughts. All sins are treated as equal as when we go to heaven. Now, that's not to say that, that, uh, that 
we could go murder someone, and that's not a greater sin. That is a big, full measure. That's a terrible thing to do, and we'll face consequences for that. But then the eyes of righteousness and the eyes of the justification of our salvation, we can talk about same-sex marriage all day, but if we're going home and we have impure thoughts or we have any of these things that we know that we can't control, then we're on equal ground with that other terrible sin with that other murder all sin is sin no matter how big or small it still lands the same it still lands us all at the same destination Matthew 5 21 through 22 you have heard that it was said to the people long ago you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to, to judgment but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to just judgment. Again, anyone who says it to a brother or sister, Raka is unanswerable to the court. And anyone says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now we look at this and we think, how impossible is it for us to earn our way in heaven? If God is looking at me the same way that he looked at a murderer, then is there any hope for me? Now, you all know that there is hope because we've all learned about the salvation of Jesus and we've all learned about grace. It is impossible to live by God's standards. However, God desires a relationship with us. He offers grace through Jesus so we can make it to see our loved ones in heaven. God is holy. We talked about this with the Trinity. God the Father is holy. He cannot be in the presence of sin. But God desires a relationship with us so much because we are his children that he gave his son, he offered up an abundance of grace, even knowing who we are and what we did and how terrible things have been since the fall of man, since Adam, he gives us grace. Now I want to quickly read Romans 3, 23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. It's one thing to read this. It's one thing to learn this. But it's a whole other thing when you begin to understand just how much God loves us. Now I want to do something as we close. I want to do something a little bit unorthodox, a little bit different. How many of you, how many of you uh, show of hands, how many of you have seen The Shack? You guys watch The Shack? Those hands came up quick. Okay, so The Shack is, uh, the shack is about a, uh, a man that loses his daughter in a very terrible, terrible way. And he's angry with God. fighting mad with God. Why would God take away his little girl? And God shows up in this act of fiction. God shows up as the Father, as the Son, and as the Holy Ghost. And they commune together and give this man the opportunity to vent 
about how he feels about God. There's a brief clip that I want to show you that so well defines what grace is. And I want to show you that five-minute clip right now, and then we're going to get ready for some closing worship, and we're going to head home today. But watch this, and I hope this ministers to you. You don't believe that God is good? I don't think God loves his children very well. If that's what you believe, come, sit. You can judge me fine from there. Judge you? Mm Mm-hmm. Today, you are the judge. Jules turned up just a little bit. Why are you surprised? You spent your whole life judging nearly everyone and everything, their actions and motivations, as if you could even know them. You make snap judgments just by the color of someone's skin, their clothes, their body language. By all accounts, you're a well-practiced expert, Mackenzie. Sit. supposed to judge well, there must be at least a few who are to blame for all the pain and suffering in the world right uh-huh. what about the selfish the greedy those who harm others murderers drug dealers terrorists guilty yeah what about men who beat their wives or fathers who beat their sons to alleviate their own suffering. Let's not do this. Should that man be judged? Yeah. I know. And you're going to keep your mouth shut. What about this boy? What about him? Would you judge him? He's a kid. But you already have. That boy is your father. Now, what about the man who preys on innocent little girls? Daddy! Daddy! Okay, that's Is that man guilty? I would damn him now. And what of his father, the man who twisted him into this deviant monster? I would damn him too. How can you stop there? Doesn't the legacy of brokenness go all the way back to Adam? And what about God? Isn't he at fault? He set all this in motion. Especially if he knew the outcome. You want me to say it? Absolutely. God is to blame. Well, if it's so easy for you to judge God, 
you must choose one of your children to spend eternity in heaven. The other will go to hell. Can't do what? I'm only asking you to do something you believe God does. So? Who will go to hell? You could choose Kate. She said some pretty hurtful things. She shuts you out. You're not even sure if she loves you anymore. Or? You could choose Josh. He's being disobedient, sneaking out, lying to you. You didn't know that. Mackenzie, make your choice. I won't do this anymore. I can't do this. Can't do what? I can't. I won't. You must. This isn't a game. You have to. You know what? This isn't fair. You must. It isn't fair. instead of them. I'll take their place. You take me. I'll go in their place. You, you, you leave my kids alone and you take me. Mackenzie. You've judged your children worthy of love. Even if it costs you everything. Romans 3, 23 and 24, I read again. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. If the Trinity is real, and we've proved that it is, then God the Father is a person. God the Father gave his only begotten Son for us. Jesus Christ was given for us. If God, in fact, if God the Father, in fact, is a person, he knew what had to be done, but don't you think it hurt him that much? Knowing that his Son would be the Lamb that gave us all freedom. There's so many studies and there's so much to learn about grace that it's impossible to cover it this morning, but I wanted to introduce you to grace. I wanted to introduce you to grace on a different level than what we just read in the Bible. God loves us, and people are seeing that here in this church. We have people from all over coming to be baptized on the 21st. They're wanting to re-up, to reassure, to reaffirm, or for the first time, give their life over to Jesus, release their life to Jesus. 
as the praise team comes up, two more important things to note about grace. And this is what a lot of people do not share, but it's important to realize that grace is not a license to sin. Grace is a safety net for when we fall. And just as important as grace is given to us as we receive grace, grace must also be given to others. We saw in in that video, and I would encourage you to, to watch that film, read the book. It was a book first. It was good. But we saw these terrible people. But what we see of these terrible people are their terrible actions. What we don't see is where do the roots come from? What caused this person to act this way? What happened in this man's life to grow up and abuse his children? I'm not saying he gets a pass, but I'm saying he deserves our grace. Because grace was given to us by God. We love the people that hurt us. We love the people that don't love us. Our job here on earth is to love one another. And yes, there's a time for judgment, even from us as brothers, but we should be careful to pull the plank out of our own eye before we look at a speck in another's. We learned about that. There is a time for correction, but there is more time for grace. As we receive grace, let's look at the people in our lives that maybe don't deserve it or that we think don't deserve it, and we leave that to God to settle that score. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, but for us, I want to invite you to receive the grace that is given to us, but also mend those bridges with people that may have hurt you, may have harmed you, or may disagree with you. And next week, we're going to go into relationship versus religion. And by no means am I saying religion is a bad thing. But we can't let it get in front of relationship. As a matter of fact, the religious parts of me tells you to be careful when you watch The the Shack. Because the author of the book was a universalist. And this guy believes that everyone's going to heaven no matter what. That's not portrayed in the film. That's what this guy thinks. And the religious parts of me says, stay away from that film because I don't agree with what the guy says. But the relationship part of me says, when you watch that film, it'll touch you and it'll speak to you. And it's a great example of what sacrifice really means. We're going to close now in song. I want to encourage you to uh, sign up or come for our men's Bible study, or women, pick up your books. They're in the Welcome Center. Teresa will meet you in the back. And today's, we didn't get to cover it all for the sake of time, but the sermon notes are right here. It's one page today, front and back. Pray with me this prayer as we close. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the grace that you've awarded to us. Lord, we know that we don't deserve it, but we also know that you love us so much that you give it anyway. And it's hard not to think of how much we don't deserve it, but you also want us to be joyous. 
Lord, I ask that your grace fall on us like rain, Lord, and that you give us the courage to forgive those that have sinned against us as you have forgiven us for sinning against you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. center of it all Jesus at the center of it all from beginning